Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Frontier Beyond Fear. I'm Susan Larison Dance, and today is Saturday, February 24th, 2024. And this show airs live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And you'll find the podcast on several of your favorite syndicates. Um, the show airs live on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio, for featuring the show on their homepage right now, as they do just about, well, pretty much every week. Thank you. And um, I'm also appreciative to all the syndicates, such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Interesting thing about Apple Podcasts is they're going to start doing transcripts, which should um, be quite a good development for this broadcast. So thank you if you are joining this show for the first time. Um, This is a rather spontaneous flow of ideas. Even the topic comes to me within a few hours of every broadcast, generally. And what I often do is then sometimes look for a reading that is compatible And I may, in this case, there was a particular author that I was looking at, and yet I turned right to a page, which is very relevant to today's broadcast. And that's what often happens. This is a show that is um, immersed in intuitive discovery. And intuition is a part of how I do this show. It is from my heart, and I'm happy you are here, whether you're here at the time that it's live or across time and space, because nothing can separate us energetically. You are as present with me in the future or wherever you happen to be in the world as right in this moment, right here, right now, And perhaps that is a good entryway into the topic today. Simplicity is calling. Perhaps you have, on your journey, encountered circumstances that required simplifying your life, releasing the things that you never really needed. Learning to thrive and be happy in a simpler environment. That has been part of my story. And what I have found is that we can get wrapped up in the stress and the struggle And yes, this world right now is intricate, to say the least. Simplicity. Simplicity is always here for us in the moment. It's here for us in the very next breath. We all worry about things. This show I've been doing for many years on the topic of fear. And although we all work with our fears, yes, I know with certainty, no matter what is going on in our lives and the world, we can step by step diminish the influence of fear 
in our lives. This morning when I was going for a walk, and here's a beautiful way to discover simplicity, no matter where you are, I'm fortunate to live in a place where there is abundant natural beauty, accessible, just walking out the door. But I will tell you, no matter where you live, you will find there is beauty to be discovered. There was a time when I went to graduate school, I lived behind a gas station in an apartment, and I was fast with the sky. The windows in my apartment were high on the, wind, on the walls. And so I tended to look up. I also loved the trees. And I was in Illinois. I was in a new place. A lot of people don't consider, um, you know, Champaign, Illinois, um, when you're approaching it, um, it's all cornfields. I mean, just mile upon mile upon mile of cornfields. Now, I couldn't see any of those from my apartment. But what I discovered was just being in a place with a sky that was different than what I was accustomed to. I had never lived in the Midwest before. I noticed the clouds tended to race across the sky differently. They looked different. And I became just fascinated. And I was very busy. And, oh, there was stress. Of course, I was entering a whole new paradigm. Could I do it? Um, The University of Illinois was one of the most and is still one of the most challenging institutions for computer science. And um, when I was starting out there, I was surrounded by, you know, these are the people who, who literally... Um, were developing the World Wide Web as you know it today. All regular people, it turns out. You know what? It turns out that, yes, I could do it, that, yes, I brought certain talents to the table, and everyone had talents that they were bringing in. And I actually had an opportunity to work on that project. I've told this story many times before, but I didn't know what it was. Nobody knew what it was, and it wasn't explained to me properly. I thought it had to do with networking, which would be very boring to me. In any case, this was not a low-stress time, not at all. And yet, I loved, loved walking on the campus, and I can say the same when I was an undergraduate, and there I was in Boulder, Colorado, which is absolutely, um, I can't, beautiful doesn't describe just how transcendent the Boulder Flatirons are when they're towering above you as you're walking to class. And in those days, and even at the time when I was in graduate school, I did not have an accessible spiritual path. I was curious about spirituality, but it was not as accessible to me as it is now. And yet the interesting thing is even now, I am not one of those people who will um, provide you with, and there are many people who will, and, um, but I'm not who will provide you with these steps. Here are your 10 steps to inner peace. You know, here's what you need to do. Um, Here's a a tried and true meditation technique. I've interviewed people like that on my show many times. Um, But for me, it just had to arrive organically. And it can for you. If a program of some sort helps you, That's wonderful. But I am telling you, this is accessible to us. And it can be as easy as watching the clouds cross the sky. On my walk this morning, and I'm going to expand this beyond just our personal lives, although our personal lives, the microcosm relates to the macrocosm in our society. But I will tell you, as I was walking home, I heard these children And they were approaching from some direction. And I noticed um, someone had moved in quite recently. I wondered, I thought, well, maybe these kids um, 
live over in this new house um, that I walk by. But not a brand new house, but a house where someone had moved. But no, um, they didn't seem to be. They seemed to be heading across the street. I was across the street from that house, and they were going into a different neighborhood. I'd never noticed these kids before. Why was this noticeable? Because today in our world, in many locations where I have been, um, or the locations I've been, you don't see children playing like they used to. And these kids, a couple were, one was older, a teen, kind of keeping an eye on the other two, and one was on um, a little scooter and the other one um, a little bike, and um, they crossed over into the neighborhood and they were having fun. And isn't it a tragedy? Isn't it a tragedy? How many other children, how many other teens, how many other adults are home looking at a screen? Or maybe they're sitting outside, perhaps. I rarely see them out looking at a screen. Simplicity is a choice. It's rather ironic that I took the path rather unexpectedly as a technologist. Yes, I was in at the very beginnings of AI as an intern when it was really starting to be prototyped and actively developed. It is by chance. This was before graduate school. I was an undergrad, and we were well-meaning. Um, I was work, working on um, from scratch on one of the first natural language interface prototypes in industry, and I had this job in the summer, and I was told, go and model the world. <laughs> that was my job, and then encode it into Common Lisp, which is an AI language, and my graduate thesis involved visual language modeling also in Common Lisp, although at that time it was object-oriented Lisp, a type of programming. But back then, because I was always inclined to the humanities, and I didn't even know, I hadn't planned to be a computer scientist. I had entertained the idea. I had a brother who worked for Bell Labs, and he eventually um, suggested it to me because he felt that it would be um, something that would support me better than going into the humanities. And I won't tell that entire story, but I was a somewhat reluctant technologist, I will tell you that. But I had a place there, and this is what's so sad about these circles, even back then and today, is that we really need all kinds of people working on these things, including people with very strong humanities backgrounds. Although what you'll find is that my message now is we never needed it. But we'll get to that in a moment. We were not thinking about what might happen. Do you know that when I was developing um, really a model from the beginning, and it was in English because every language is different how they think about the world, I had to think about how to structure a model. I was literally the mother of something, and it grew from there in this particular place. I don't know where it grew from, from this small prototype, but this was the beginning of it in that place. And I didn't have a textbook. I had to research linguistics to figure out how best to think about things and encode. I was up at the university library reading linguistics books because I was a person who was multidisciplinary. I didn't even know. I was getting a BA, not a BS, and on purpose so I could take humanities classes. This isn't a story about that story. Not exactly. Now we see ourselves in the future. And all of the concerns that we have about AI actually can be expanded from that to just about everything in our world. You see, 
we have raced ahead in technology just like we've always raced ahead because of fear. Fear that they're going to do something, project whoever they are. And in history, going all the way back, they, some other society, you know, maybe it was the Assyrians coming in. There were You can go through all the different ages. You know, the Bronze Age. Well, you know, we were able to develop new types of defending oneself from them. And what if they develop something before you? And, you know, oh, well, then, you know, at some point somebody developed catapults and somebody developed this and somebody developed that. And it went on and on and on and on until now. And it hasn't changed. It's just that the tools are more advanced. Meanwhile, have we focused on developing what really matters? Our inner resources, not our outer resources, our spiritual maturity. We are like children playing with fire literally, and fear is rampant. There can be forms of belief in many cultures that also react in fear and can impact how spiritually mature, and there can be some things that are quite mature and others that aren't. But when fear comes into the mix, it skews us every time. It will skew the equation of your spiritual path when it's dominated by fear. Real spirituality arises from love, from omnipresent love. And it visits us in every place we are. So it doesn't mean that, um, you know, some belief system, oh, it's totally devoid of love. No, look for the love in it. Look for the love. And many of us focus on that. How many times? Have I read 1 Corinthians 13 on this program because it is filled with hidden gifts, that passage. The love is there if we look for it. It takes real courage not to be dominated by fear. And the type of skewing that is occurring within AI um, well, it's just one person's opinion, one group's opinion. And unfortunately, materialist fundamentalists, I use that term together, materialism in the sense that they do not believe in spirituality. They don't even want to explore evidence of spirituality because they believe it is a belief. That is their belief system. Materialism is a belief system. It is not based on genuine, honest exploration of reality. It is about shutting the door to anything that defies this very rigid mindset. And is it ever a mindset? It has nothing to do with the heart. It is a mindset, and it is rigid, and it is narrow, and it has failed us. It has failed us. We are called as a society to do what those children were doing today. Put the phone down. Stop scrolling. Do you know that I, unless I absolutely have to have it, I mean, I, I don't have apps on my phone. People think that's really weird. And I've been told, you know, and it is in our society. I don't want them. I don't need them. I don't think that it's, I think it is an invasion of everybody's privacy, no matter who you are, to have some app that is, is um, tracking different data. And that's going to happen anyway. I mean, every time you go online. Yes, I go online. Yes, I I, you know, we can't avoid it. But I try. In fact, I don't even need to try because I never had apps. 
I never had them. I never needed them. I never wanted them. What did I need them for? Oh, sure, it would be convenient. There's a weather app. I I think it came on the phone. I don't know. I like the weather app. I don't, when I'm in an airport, do you know that when I am in an airport, in fact, this happened not too long ago. I was waiting for someone at an airport, and it took quite a while, a long wait. I had nothing really to look at on my phone. I don't go online on my phone and go looking around. I use my phone. I do use messaging, and I use the phone call. I use it to call. A lot of people don't even use phones to call anymore. So I just sat there. When is the last time you just sat and waited like we did in the 80s? Not long ago, I had a book with me at the airport. When do you see people holding books? Sure, okay, fine, I could have a nap and I could read it on my phone. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to, I don't choose to. Do you know, when I was an undergrad, I particularly remember this. You know, one of the... the, um, the ways that we connected to one another while we were waiting for a class outside the door was what book we happened to have in our hand, which for me in those days was often science fiction or generally fantasy, but also science fiction. I was really into that. I was even a Trekkie, an original Trekkie, the original series. But we walked around. Yes, sure, sometimes we studied, but usually we took a break and we were reading whatever we were reading. And you didn't have to be a humanities major. In fact, generally, I'm talking about waiting for computer science or math or physics, whatever the class happened to be. We had books in our hands, books we were reading. And my books would distract me from studying. I would think, oh, I have a test tomorrow. I better put this down, whatever series I was reading. We've lost sight of our connection to the physical world. And I think, again, of these children that we're playing today. Do you know there are so many times when I go out walking, yes, I see people here and there, but it's surprising how few people. What are they doing? I've lived in more than one beautiful place. I do live I don't live way out in the country. I have. Actually, it's somewhat more difficult to walk when you live in the country because generally, like um, the place, um, a couple places ago, I had a, a country home I was renting, and the roads around it were really narrow. So if I wanted to go out walking, um, I could walk on the grounds because it was about, I don't know, about three three and a half acres, but that really wasn't that satisfying for me. I generally had to drive somewhere to have a satisfying walk because it just wasn't easy to go walking on these narrow, hilly country roads, and it wasn't safe either. So you can certainly be in a town. The place before the place I'm living now was very much in a town, and there was I wasn't near the edge of town. And yet I walked to a park that was very beautiful with a lake, and I enjoyed walking through the neighborhood. There were aspects of country in this neighborhood because it was kind of a mix, this particular suburb. It wouldn't have mattered if it was the city. There could have been a way to find a satisfying place to walk. Now we do deal with safety issues, and we have to be aware, and there can You know, sometimes we have to trust, but I realize not everywhere it's so easy to walk in, and technically pretty much anywhere. I mean, I used to be told, um, I used to walk um, really out in the wilderness, and I was told, don't do that. How could you do that? How could you do that by yourself? That's not safe, and yet I just trusted because I had to be out there. Simplicity is a way of being. Yes, I use technology. I am on technology right now. But I will tell you something. 
we have lost sight of the path that was truly sustainable because we didn't take it. It is very possible. Do you know last week um, a lot of people are saying um, that it was a solar flare that impacted the phone outage. I can't tell you one way or another, but there certainly are more powerful solar flares. And if you're aware of the Carrington event in the 1800s, and this is a show where we work with our fears, but these things can happen on this planet. There are many different ways where our so-called advanced society could be shut down. And we would be right back to where we started, only worse, because we totally lost sight of all the knowledge that we would need to help us. In fact, I saw something that was interesting, that if we had, nobody even thinks of this, and it is interesting, that if we had to go back to some very simple way of life, well, they had a lot of animals, right? You know, um, at you know, in 1880, um, there were lots of horses and there were things that could help you. Well, uh, we haven't been keeping that up. You don't have very many animals around anymore. And so we would find ourselves without them. I mean, we would have to, and we don't have the knowledge that we used to have as to how to take care of yourself, how to do simple things, how to build simple things, just basic knowledge. But it isn't even that, although it is that. What about spiritual knowledge? What are we not developing? What have we not developed in our haste to material um, um, so-called paradise, which it is not, it is probably the most tenuous way you can live, We've lost sight of healing. Healing does happen. I have experienced it. I have witnessed it. And many people have. Where do we focus on that? It's mocked. It's derided. It's um, questioned. And yet if it was genuinely studied, you would find out that it actually does happen. What about other forms of spiritual development? We haven't been focusing there. Our species has raced headlong into very real jeopardy. Will spirituality help us? It can. You know, I did a show recently on nothing being random. Some of you may be listening to this show for the first time in a long time and wondering, you know, I'm not interviewing anybody lately. That's true. I have thoughts to explore. There are several reasons why. Actually, I'll take that question in the podcast portion of this show since the live show is going to go down. But there are several reasons. One reason was life itself interrupted that. It became more difficult to reliably do an interview. But then I realized I, I had things to share from my own heart and also I was thinking about this as I was walking I thought you know if I ever did interviews again I might put a disclaimer do not expect that I will agree with everything you say because to me I was very supportive of whatever your work happens to be but I think we need to respect that each of us has a slightly different point of view and wouldn't it be refreshing to to honestly question and say, you know, that just, I don't understand that, or that doesn't resonate, or, you know, be honest. And, and you know, I was so supportive, and we had good conversations because, sure, there were lots of things that did, um, but something was missing. And I can't do things that are formulaic, although it wasn't exactly formulaic. This show was very highly regarded as an interview program and still is. The archive is extensive. And I did bring my heart to it, but it was never as satisfying as I would have liked. The live show is about to go down. Thank you, live audience. I intentionally make this show relatively brief, unless I'm sure that I've got 
some topic that's going to take a while. This show will probably go on at least another 20 minutes because I still have a reading to do. So now I'm talking to those of you who are across time because you're listening to the podcast. You are as present here as you were as anyone listening live just a few minutes ago because energetically there is no separation. I am going to get to the reading now. I turned, I wanted to read, I knew that I wanted to go to Henry David Thoreau. Um, I knew that I wanted to read from Walden, but I didn't realize that there was a passage that I would turn to within Walden that was very aligned with this show. There are some more famous passages that are very aligned, and I've read some of those passages before. Henry David Thoreau lived from 1817 to 1862, and here is what I turned to. Rather than love, then money, then fame, give me truth. I sat at a table where were rich food and wine in abundance, an obsequious attendance, but sincerity and truth were not. And I went away hungry from the inhospitable board. Wow, I have got to stop. This is so synchronistic because what did I just say? To me, this has to do with what I just said. When we're having genuine conversations and we're really talking about our our various perspectives, And we can be quite closely aligned in perspective and still have variations in perspective. We go away hungry. And that's exactly how I would feel so often in these conversations where we just didn't go deep enough. And I was trying to bring forward, you know, the good points of whatever new book somebody had. Um, and it didn't always happen, you know. Um, you may be wondering if you're one of the guests who just rediscovered this show and you're listening, you know, did that happen with me? Well, I am sure that we had an honest discussion of so many things in most cases, but there were times, absolutely there were times, when I wanted to go deeper to really explore it and to say, you know, um, I see this part differently, and then just have an honest discussion. Why do we all have to think that we have to think the same? Because we don't think the same. We no one, every single one of us has lived a different path, and we are going to have nuances in perspective, and we need to understand that that's okay. In the days when I used to write on the Oprah Forum, And some of those posts, they were very highly elevated, right to her front page um, on the discussion forum that she had under Bridge Builder was my my, um, pseudonym because we we weren't allowed to use our, our real names. We could have conversations among people with very different beliefs, and yet we did. And we would go on for pages and pages and pages and pages and have those discussions. I've been in other forums where that was the case, where the viewpoints were even more far afield. What brought us there? What brought me there? Well, multiple things. Yes, an honest intent, love, lots of things, but also I sense I was also working with myself. Do you know when you teach something or when you share something, you're deepening it within yourself as well. As I'm sharing things with you and there are discoveries here, like finding this passage in Walden, which I've read the whole thing, but I didn't quite remember that this passage was there, which I just turned to before the show. This can be highly synchronistic when it happens. So let's continue. Um, So let's just backtrack just a little bit but sincerity and truth were not and I went away hungry from the inhospitable board the hospitality was as cold as the ices 
I thought that there was no need of ice to freeze them. They talked to me of the age of the wine and the fame of the vintage, but I thought of an older, a newer, and purer wine of a more glorious vintage, which they had not got and could not buy the style, the house, and the grounds, and, quote, he puts quotes, entertainment, pass for nothing with me. I called on the king, but he made me wait in his hall and conducted like a man incapacitated for hospitality. There was a man in my neighborhood who lived in a hollow tree. His manners were truly regal. I should have done better had I called on him. thought that was quite an interesting passage. There's another one. See if I can find this. Okay, yeah, here's the other passage. When I turned backwards, I found another one that I hadn't really expected to read. This is once again in Walden by Henry David Thoreau. When first I took up my abode in the woods, that is, began to spend my nights as well as days there, which by accident was on Independence Day or the 4th of July, 1845, my house was not finished for winter, but was merely a defense against the rain, without plastering or chimney, the walls being of rough, weather-stained boards with wide chunks which made it cool at night. The upright, white-hewn studs and freshly planed door and window casings gave it a clean and airy look, especially in the morning when its timbers were saturated with dew, so that I fancied that by noon some sweet gum would exude from them, would exude from them. To my imagination, it retained throughout the day more or less of this auroral character, reminding me of a certain house on a mountain which I had visited a year before. This was an airy and unplastered cabin fit to entertain a traveling god where a goddess might trail her garments. The winds which passed over my dwelling were such as sweep over the ridges of mountains bearing the broken strains or celestial parts only of terrestrial music. The morning wind forever blows. The poem of creation is uninterrupted, but few are the ears that hear it. Olympus is but the outside of the earth everywhere. I love that passage, and I just turned to that, too. I love it. In fact, it deepens as I read it out loud, things I didn't see in it just, I don't know, a couple hours ago when I found it. Heaven is here. Beauty has so much to give to us. Could our yearning for simplicity take us to a different place? Perhaps you are in a busy city and you don't really want to be. Then leave it. Find a way to leave the city. In fact, we really don't know what's going to happen, and this isn't a show that where we focused on. We focus on fear-based things that could happen, but we are in a situation right now where, and we've always been in a situation like this, just in different ways in the world. There's a lot of uncertainty, and if you feel called to a less populated place, go. If you feel called, if you feel called to community, a, to form a community, I know I hear from people um, that talk about this more and more. 
then consider it. But maybe you need to feed your soul by going somewhere different, doing something else, downsizing, simplifying. Maybe the current economy has resulted in a change of your work or the the last few years. Something changed. Some business went away. Some job went away. Maybe it's going away right now. What opportunity is in that? There was a path for me that would have involved working on an executive floor indefinitely in the technological domain. And I'm sure I would have had a really nice house, probably on acreage with lots of money, and everything would have been much different than it was when that job ended and another I could I walked away from and I considered others, but it's funny how there would be blockages and I ended up in the spiritual community around, right around then. And yet it was a very simple life and it, it took a really long time and in fact it's still true to, to really um, find a way that that seemed viable on that path. The simplicity that ultimately came into my life, despite the stresses that we can face and all do, changed everything and actually helped me with those stresses. Oh, we'll have bad days. We'll have that. I had a bad day just a few days ago, and I was kind of, you know, I was talking about some challenges and things with a, with a colleague. We are human beings. We're going to live our lives. And right now, there are a lot of things that will concern us personally and in our greater society and in our world. That is natural. But we can find our inner peace. We can find our inner resources. And I laid out a way, and so did Henry David Thoreau. Go outside. Olympus is but the outside of the earth everywhere. Get outside of yourself. Nature is miraculous. Amazing things will happen when you get out in nature more. And you'll notice it. I think I'm going to end the show now, um, or in a minute. Thank you. If you are revisiting this show after a long absence, or if you've discovered it for the very first time, I welcome you here. If you're reading the transcript, wow, what an adventure. This is not a scripted program. It comes straight from my heart. There is no script. Welcome. I'll be interested to see how that experience unfolds. I hope to start blogging again very soon. That once I have a transcript, I might pull some things from it. Because I really do need to be writing again. I used to write so prolifically and still have privately at times. But um, I do feel called to write more once again publicly. And yes, I have an upcoming appearance. Um, now we're in the podcast. You could be listening in the future. I believe at least the paid workshop, maybe the panel will be available for purchase in a package. I'm not sure how that's all going to work out. But for those of you um, listening close in time to this event, uh, and if you're in the San Francisco area or might be traveling to this event, I will be speaking at the New Living Expo in San Rafael. And it is April 19th through 21st. And you'll find more information about that um, on well, it's actually you can go to the Facebook page. Go to frontierbeyondfear.com. There's a link there. 
you go to the Facebook page, I created Facebook events for this, and I'll be putting out the word in more ways. But I'll be giving a free lecture Friday night on um, our Leap Beyond AI, Spiritual Breakthroughs, which involves how our intuitive spiritual um, capabilities are far superior to anything um, that AI can provide to us. And then I will be giving a paid event with my colleague, Jean Manning. Um, and that is, um, is a talk. She studies um, alternative energy solutions and has for many, many years. And that will be on um, the intuitive leaps of Nikola Tesla and intuition versus AI once again. And it's only $28 for a regular ticket. That's Saturday at 5 p.m., and then Sunday at 5 p.m., I'm moderating a free panel called Breakthrough Science, um, freeing, freeing the Truth to Save the Earth, something like that, <laughs> close enough. So I welcome you, if, and I'll also be at booth number 25 it's during the expo. Um, if you'd like to support this show, well, there are a couple ways. Um, you can write to me. Um, you can write to me at info at frontierbeyondfear.com. Um, I'm also considering um, other types of interviews. Um, I did a video last week. I put it on the Facebook page. It made me, you know, I needed a little bit more confidence. I've done actual television interviews because I used to run a festival. Not saying I was 100% comfortable when I did those because some of them were live TV um, or not live, either way. But I learned some things through it. I just haven't done a lot of webcasting. Um, and um, this experience I had last week, which I was working with my own little fears and insecurities, really went well. It was a little bit different. We had a plan. We, had, we were asked to do something um, to preview this paid workshop at the expo. So it was more structured, although there was no real script, just notes. Uh, more structured than I t where I tend to work, um, but it has made me realize that yes, I would consider um, if anyone wants an interview, um, just write to info at frontierbeyondfear.com, and I mean on your broadcast, especially leading into this expo or beyond. And um, oh, ways to support the show, um, I. Um, with, have been fortunate to um, partner with Gaia TV, and there is a free offer. In fact, there will be another offer coming up in March um, that is a special one that I think you'll really like. And when you you go to those offers, um, that actually um, helps help support this show um, due to that that affiliate-type partnership. So if it interests you, I'm not here to pressure you in any way. If Gaia doesn't resonate in, with you, that's fine. Follow your heart. But there's a lot of, there's a wealth of material there. And, and once again, not everything's going to be on the same page. Like, you know, anywhere, on any show, any network, you know, explore, explore. I can guarantee there will be something that you will enjoy just about anywhere that um, is in the spiritual community. And Gaia has a lot of content, a lot. So um, that's an opportunity. If you go to FrontierBeyondFear.com and also on the show page, you'll see the link there. Um, you'll discover all these things. So I should be here next week live once again. I won't know the topic until a couple hours, three hours or so before the show. Um, but I welcome you to this broadcast, and it does broadcast at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio every Saturday. So take care, everyone. I hope you find a path to more simplicity, to more peace, if you're working with something stressful, go outside. Does that ever help me? It's so simple. So simple. The answer is simple. Take care, everyone. <laughs>